0: Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership
1: podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game.
2: Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. Very much uh, appreciate each and every one of you listening, not just because you're listening and you downloaded, but because you're taking what you're learning and you're engaging with it. You're, You're taking it and you're hopefully using it to be a better coach to be a better player, to be a better parent, to be a better leader, to be a better spouse, to be better in all that you do. We usually do that at the end, but I thought I'd do it at the beginning in case some of you don't listen all the way to the end. So anyway, I'm Phil Dark, your host, and with me is Paul Jobson, my co-host, my brother. Paul, how you doing, man?
0: Doing well, Phil. Doing well. Looking forward to uh, our guests today and all uh, we'll get to to talk about today. And But man, We are in the uh, craziness of of Texas weather where you wake up and figure out what the weather's going to be like for the day and, you know, go to sleep at 80 degrees, wake up at 40 and vice versa. And, you know, it's just, it's a fun, fun time of year for us. So, but no, things are good, man. We are, we're prepping for our two year celebration for Warrior Way Gives this week. And, uh, so I'm about 70 people to get together to celebrate two years of Warrior Way Gives, which is crazy to imagine. And Phil, you remember you were part of yeah. helping us really get things off the ground a couple of years ago. So thanks to you for, for your help and all that over the last couple of years as we celebrate. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what's going on, man. Kids in sports, in sports, out of sports, prepping for the event. And that's, that's about all we got going.
2: That's all we got going right now. That's know? really cool. And I also know that if people want to give, they don't have to be at that event to give to Warrior Way, right? They can just give online.
0: They can, and they, if they want to go to warriorwaysoccer.com slash gives, they can link to our gifts page. And we have a link there that they can, they can, uh, see what we're doing and, and give to, uh, to, to our ministry work that
2: we're doing here locally and, and globally. Yeah. So that's really cool. And on that note, we don't normally do this, but since we're on this train, you can give to this podcast even uh, at ProvidenceWorld.com if you want to keep this going, if it's been helping you out. We are coming up on that year end, and I know that's when a lot of people give. So if you want to give and you're looking for something to give to, then you can keep this podcast going in that way. And also do a lot of other cool things all around the world that Providence World is doing. So that was not even planned. That you know, As you know, Paul, this is not scripted. This just happens. So I'm excited about Warrior Way. I I love I can't believe it's been two years, first of all, because I remember the first call. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing now that I'm retired and drinking my ties, I gotta do something. And that was basically the conversation. Something like that. And to see what God's done even in those two short years is really, really cool. So I'm I'm stoked on that. I love what and Marcy are doing with that. And and just not just here, but but down in Guatemala as well. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting stuff. So so that's really cool. The other thing, I'm wearing this shirt for two reasons. It's the United Soccer Coaches Convention shirt from last year in Philadelphia. This year is closer to home, for me anyway, in Anaheim, California. And uh, you can still go. So if you're listening to this and it's something that you've always wanted to do, check it out. United Soccer Coaches. You can just Google that. You look up at the convention. Probably should have had the website. I will have the website on the show notes. But uh, the other reason I say that is our guest today, Sean Smithson, will be with me on a panel talking about how to incorporate your faith into your coaching at the convention. I'll also be doing another talk on DISC and how we can use that to make our coaching better and to be able to really connect with and get the most out of our players. I'll be doing that with Christian DeVries and Keeley Hagan on that panel. So very excited about the, the convention coming up also excited that I don't have to change time zones to go there. But our guest today does need to change three time zones to get to that convention when we will be there. Sean,
1: how you doing, man? I am doing well. Excited to be here on the podcast uh, with you guys. So I've listened a lot. So it's fun to be on uh, the show. It's good to finally have you on. I think we've been talking about having having you on for a while, if I'm not wrong. So
0: it's like we got to get Sean on 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 the pod, man. So we appreciate you. Taking time to
1: to to be on with us, so it's true. Every time Phil said you should be on, I I introduced him to somebody else that should be on. I was uh, gonna say though, there's a lot of great stories to share. So
2: yeah, I love that you said that, Paul, because Sean rejected us many times because Sean is as we're gonna learn very he's big time. He rejected us by saying, "Hey, you should interview this person who's not quite as big time as me." That's not what he said. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not what he said. At all. And to the contrary, he's like, I don't feel like I have anything to say. I'm like, yes, you do. Of course you do. You got tons of stuff. But very, very excited. Um, I did neglect to say Sean is the executive vice president for club sports of FCA. Is that the correct title,
1: Sean? Sounds about right. That'll work. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it was really long. So I, 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 if I got that right, I'm very proud of myself. You can find out all those things, but we're going to get into those things and more today. So um, let's get going. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Sean, you know, as we do with all of our guests, you know, we just love to hear more about you, uh, if you could just, you know, briefly just share your story, how you developed your passion for soccer, coaching, ministry, leadership, all the things that kind of, you know, molded together, uh, through your life to put you kind of where you are today as, as the executive VP of, of club sports for FCA, just kind of take us briefly through that life story you have, uh, as it pertains
1: to soccer. That's awesome. I I love that first question because there's so much to it, right? Coaching, ministry, leadership, soccer, uh, everything. I was like, how do I answer that uh, in kind of a short summary uh, form to give a picture? And one of my life verses that kind of my wife and I share and kind of walks through uh, a lot of how we make decisions is 3 John 1, 4. And, And it says this, it says, there's no greater joy than to hear that your children are walking in the truth. And I open with that because it kind of gives a shape to how I got into a lot of what I'm doing. Uh, Coaching, uh, I've always done. I I played sports as a young kid, and at 14 years old, I I got to serve as a coach or or be a coach, an assistant coach with my uncle for a a Little League baseball team, and I loved it. Just the joy of watching a kid get something that they didn't previously had or, or experience or succeed and being able to help in that journey uh, at 18 years old, I was a head coach for the first time just before I went off to the military and um, just hearing letters about how my kids were doing that I had coached. When I when I went and I joined the military, I'd get letters in basic training and tech school uh, from these kids that I'd coached when I was just a kid. And I didn't know what I was doing. We were, we were out in the outfield trying to throw the ball through the dugout door just to improve accuracy. I mean, it was just silly stuff, but it impacted them. And then to hear the The joy that they were having the next season, um, there there was no no greater joy uh, than to hear that and to hear how they were succeeding in the in the sport of baseball. So coaching has just kind of been part of who I am, a passion. I love helping others succeed, and then hearing those stories. Ministry, I got into it at twenty one, had no idea. Um, you talk about uh, a decision to get into ministry; it was definitely a calling. I tried to avoid it. I kind of like pushing Phil back on this interview. I was like, no way. God, you got the wrong person. Like I, I wasn't cool when I was in high school. Why would I go back? It felt like a calling to youth ministry. And I was like, why would I go back to that? Like, I, I can't imagine. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not like at all these, I can't. And, and God just kept pushing me in. Uh, when I did get into ministry, one of the things that I love to do is connect with the, the kids that were kind of outside, the kids that were the troublemakers. And uh, probably because that was me, uh, as a kid in in the church that I did go to, or the sports that I played or the school I went to, um but I loved connecting with them, and again, just helping them to walk and understand the truth about who they are uh so that that's the passion again is to find people and help them uh discover who they are and what they want leadership um man, it's just watching others accomplish uh something that they didn't know was possible and trying to help them along the way with that so again, that kind of fits and then soccer. I don't really have a great answer for that one. I love to compete. Uh, I love my wife and she's a soccer player. She's also five foot tall. So when we were looking for a sport to play together, it, it wasn't going to be basketball. Soccer was her sport. And so we just started playing and I, I fell in love with the sport. There's something about the, the reality that the game doesn't stop. You know, once it gets going, there, there's no timeouts. Funny story. My first soccer game that I ever coached actually went out there and it wasn't going well. Um, apparently I didn't do well at training, uh, to get them prepared for this game. And about five minutes in, I was like, Time out. And, and the ref looked at me and was like, What are you talking about? There's no timeout. Right. And I was like, Ah, okay. I guess there's no time out. And that's actually part of what I love about soccer, right? There there's no timeout. You train, then you go out, you play the game, and then you go back and you you fix what needs to be fixed and you try again the next day. So I think that kind of answers your questions. How did I get to where I'm at uh, as the EVP of Club Sports for FCA? Simply just saying yes to to opportunities in front of me. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that uh, mm-hmm. in the rest of the show. But just trying to see the doors that were there, the doors that are open, and and stepping into places to serve uh, where I get a lot of joy out of it.
0: Yeah. No, I love, I love that. I love. I mean, it's probably one of my favorite parts of, of the podcast is just hearing people's stories and and you know how they got to where they are and how god led them through certain things to get to different places and the ins and outs and uh you know you destroying you know doors in the in the in the in the bullpen and the dugouts you know with your baseball it's it's. grub sure every you know every facility guy appreciated you putting baseballs through doors and and for the kids listening hey that's not that's not a good decision okay let's just make sure we're clear on that but i i think that some of the things that stand out like you you having that call to like go back into an area of your own life that was uncomfortable and, and and recognizing that like, okay, if I'm called to do that, I've kind of got to step, step into that just kind of out of faith of like, okay, I guess, I guess that's what I'm going to do. And that ability to be a coach. And, and, and the thing you're saying is like, it's it's coaching, right? Feeling a need for kids, being something maybe they don't have at home, uh, pointing them in the right directions, using your own life lessons to help them navigate the ins and outs of, of, of life. I mean, is that, is that. Something you felt like you were you were able to do through through those through those times w- with those kids, and is
1: that something that continued to push you to be in the leadership roles that that you're in now? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. So I started out when I got out of the military in youth ministry, inside the walls of the church and uh, being thrown into situations where uh, I was having conversations that maybe I experienced as a kid, maybe I didn't, uh, trying to explain parts of God's word that maybe I understood, maybe I didn't, and just figuring it out as I went. Um, one of the things that I probably picked up from my dad early on, who was one of my first baseball coaches, and he didn't know the sport of baseball. So later on in my adult life, uh, as I was getting ready to move out, I I found books that he had read uh, to learn how to coach baseball so that he could connect with me. And, and that just that lesson of, man, how do I learn this skill? How do I get better at this? So that i can connect with and serve those in front of me uh moving out of the kind of the parameters of the church and into other places i've served with an organization called taps tragedy assistance program for survivors walking with kids who've you know experienced a really tough loss uh in life they've lost a a parent in the military and just being in those conversations uh was a huge formative part of when i was in the military and then and then later uh and I love being, being in those places. So coaching opens the doors. So.
2: Yeah, it definitely does. Definitely does. That's something, you know, we've talked a ton about on this. And I, I, I love that about your dad. My dad did the same thing with soccer with me. I, he learned the game, Paul and I, we've talked about that. Our dads coached us and, you know, and soccer wasn't big when our dads were, were, you know, growing up. And so I love that my dad learned that. I mean, it was, it's, it's something that we talk about all the time. He was my, first keeper coach and, and, uh, he knew nothing about it, but he learned and, uh, because he wanted to connect with me more, you know, and that's the way he was able to do it. It was really, really cool. And then, you know, the other thing we talk about is that no timeouts, it's funny. I had this long list. We've never actually gone through it on this show, but it's what initially inspired this show was I was going to write a book on how soccer explains leadership. And I had all these different chapter titles and, and one of them was there are no timeouts in soccer because that's a great life lesson, right? You can't just call time out in life and just, you know, stop everything. I mean, we do that sometimes with sabbaticals, but even then you can't stop being a dad. You can't stop being, a husband. you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to just check out for a while. And well, some people do, unfortunately, and that doesn't end very well. But if we are going to thrive and flourish, it's just you got to just trust that God will give you what you need in those moments and that's really a great life lesson that we do learn from the game but that was that was something I'm glad you brought that up because that was that's something that just triggered that that thought but Sean, you you know you've we've gotten to know each other over the last year or two, and I'm so grateful for that we've done a lot of cool things together but at the end, at the at the kind of the core of what you are and who you are, we asked this question of a lot of people. I know you've thought about this. We've talked about these things, but but what is your personal why? Your your life purpose, and how are you living it out? We've talked a little bit about how you're living it out, but just more specifically, can you get into how you're living out your life purpose and what that is?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. Yeah. I have put a lot of thought into it. I I. Run in a lot of directions, as you and I have talked about. Same with mm-hmm. you, Phil. I've, I've seen you do that. Yep. And I had a mentor, a, a friend, uh, Lloyd Reed, who works with the Halftime Institute, who said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you put your why into a very succinct sentence that will help you to say no uh, when you need to say no." And and I don't know if I'm getting any better at saying no, uh, but I do have the why in a very succinct sentence, and it's basically <laughs> this: I'm a strategic activator that enjoys helping others experience God doing immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine, uh, primarily through the living out of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And often what gives me most joy is to do that in under-resourced areas or places of recovery or development. So that's why, you know, if you think about in youth ministry, I was attracted to the troublemaker kids that that needed a little restoration. They needed a little love or else they were going to stop coming. Right. Because the, the other leaders had kind of distanced or pushed them away like, and those kids are a pain. And I love walking in and, and connecting with those kind of kids and restoring an opportunity for them to be a part of the community. Uh, it's why in soccer, I, I lo- love coaching the younger age groups um, before there's a lot of skill, just helping to develop those basic skills, that understanding of the game. And, and most importantly, uh, a friend of mine, Lincoln Phillips, says, yeah, first and foremost, teach them to love the game. Right. Just teach them to love the game and the rest will take care of itself. So I love getting in at those places. Uh, And then under resourced areas or places where there's challenge, a kid that has lost a loved one, orphan care or work really grabs my attention. And, you know, the great commission, great commandment piece is that there is one hope in this world and that's Jesus. And I want to point people in that direction and I want to love well uh, along the way. So another friend, I, I love, I learned so much from listening to people. That's why I love your podcast, right? You pick up little nuggets and you take it. But uh, one of my friends, uh, who I'll mention when we talk about books at the end, says, he says, treat everyone the way you would want them to treat your son. And, and I think, man, that's a great picture. Even treat them like you would want them to treat you is one thing because I don't really think about that a lot. But how would I want them to treat my son? Man, I want them to open doors. I, I want them to love well. I want them to encourage when when there is something that's not going well, I want him to be honest and, and not inflate his ego and make him think that he's doing well at something that he's not doing well. Like all of those, those little attributes come into really just helping people experience uh, the joy of what God has for them.
2: Yeah, no, that's really cool. I, I, I love that. I love that. I, as, as I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of the idea of, you know, I've been telling my, my kids, you know, and I've told, talked to you about this, when we talk about what they should do and people ask well how should my kid go into the game if they're a sophomore starting for the first you know day and i just say the same thing i'll say to anybody which is lead and love well and be a great teammate right Mm -hmm. be the be the teammate you want to have right treat them as you'd want you know you know them i'm going to treat your son basically right that same idea right how can we kind of put it into that you know and and um I uh, love that. Love that. And you, you talked about, you've talked to me and you, you know, we do the, the, uh, I think you're, you're, you're going for the people who are under resourced. And so the faith-based coaches of the United soccer coaches, that's probably why you're drawn to that as well. But the, the idea of you, you do a lot of things that are, that are leading, that are leading people in Bible studies, leading people in ministries, you know, you're coaching people in a lot of different ways. You, you have a definition of coach that I, you've shared with me. Can you, you just share that and really how it relates to the purpose that that is your life purpose?
1: Yeah, so I, I took the definition and and modified it a little bit from from Jeff Duke and three dimensional coaching and it says when you get back to the root or the the historical picture of a coach, uh, you think of a stagecoach, right? And a stage coach was a, a vehicle that took somebody of great importance from where they are to where they want to go, and a stagecoach would pick them up and and move them. Uh, to where they wanted to go. And if you think about a coach in that way, my only modification to that is a coach is somebody who takes important people from where they are uh, to where God wants them to go. Uh, because ultimately, sometimes it, that's the best path, right? It's always the best path. It doesn't matter where I want to go. I hope that there's coaches in my life that can see where God might be taking me or what God might be uncovering, even the blind spots, right? Like That's why I talk about having a, a coach that's gonna share truth with athletes. We always talk about on our team, you mentioned being a good teammate. Uh, One of the things on the team is there's zero negativity. There's so much negativity in the world uh, that we talk about. Part of being a good teammate is we don't bring that. And and sometimes people think honesty can be negative. It's not. You've got to do it in the right way. We're not doing it in a harsh way. We're not tearing people down, but uh, you want to be truthful and you want to be positive in, in people's lives. So- that was a little tangent. I'm not sure how I got there, but
0: we're, this podcast is good on good with tangents. It's a oh, yeah, when, you your re- when you signed your release form, it you're you're released to do tangents. So it's it's that's a very part of the show. So we did do the release form right this time, Phil. Is that yeah,
2: I, I may trip? have I may have neglected that on this one, but
1: you mentioned you mentioned the Bible studies. I, I'll, I'll mention those just a, a second. I I love um, helping people uncover. Uh, what God might be saying to them. So if you've been in a Bible study with me, or if you're in the faith-based coaches group and you wanna be, uh, we do one every Thursday at, what, what do we do that? One o'clock? One o'clock on Thursdays,
2: Eastern, one Eastern.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one Eastern on Thursdays uh, for soccer coaches. And we get together and it, it's really a chance to let God do the coaching, right? So uh, when I was younger in ministry, I was always trying to unpack and figure out the the nugget of truth that only I had discovered. And then I could share that. And there's some of that that comes into teaching. But ultimately, when we get into Bible studies, whether it's with DC United or, or the Faith-Based Coaches Group, wherever I'm leading is, I want to help people read the scripture, make some observations, apply it to life. So it's SOAP, right? Scripture observation, application, and prayer. Or I just picked up from uh, this guy, Raymond Verheijen, who's a football coach, uh, not a faith guy, but he talks about coaching football on the CDEF method, communication, decision-making, execution, and focus. And so we've been doing that a little bit in our Bible studies as well. What Read the passage, what, God, what might God be communicating to you? Uh, what decision do you need to make based off of that? And then how can I help you execute it this week and, and stay focused on what God's called you to do?
2: Yeah, so, now, Paul, did you see how smoothly Sean pitched the Bible study there? That was pretty amazing. Yeah, was, gotta, it gotta was take lessons from that. That was really, yeah, good. To, that was really totally, good. totally, totally, totally. And it, it's a great transition into
0: just. I want I want to dive more into that. And you talked a little bit about you know the the United Soccer Coaches faith based piece of that. You talked about DC United. To kind of take us through like the differences of how how you how you're making disciples through those different things. So the faith based uh, coaches, United Soccer Coaches, how does it look different from what you might do at DC United? Well, how might look different how you're, when you're going speaking to coaches or parents, like how how do those things look a little bit differently? Because it, it's not, it's not a one size fits all type, type thing. And it's not cookie cutter in all of those different environments. And you're, you know, through, through FCA, you're having to, to mold and shape similar re- results, but you're having to shape it in different ways to get to, to similar things.
1: So take us through how those different things maybe, maybe look and work for you. Yeah, that's a great question. So I, th- I think the easiest way to frame it is in a couple of different pieces. Number one, uh, evangelism and discipleship uh, just depends on where you're at with somebody, right? But it's this continued process of helping people discover who God is and discover who they are, and then ultimately discover what it means to walk in a relationship with God and figure out what he has for you on this earth. And So what does it look like in different environments? Uh, both evangelism and discipleship, or, or we could just put it in one package of discipleship, is, is a process. Right. So it's not a, it's not an event. It's not a moment. It's not a show up once and I'm done. Although sometimes you, you speak like I'm here on this podcast. I don't know if I'll ever be again. Right. So it's once. So you get one chance. But the hope is always to open up a process with whatever you do so that maybe somebody that's listening to this podcast reaches out and connects. Maybe they do get on that, that Bible study or, or they just want to know more about coaching and they connect with, with one of us. And then that's part of the, the process. And then ultimately God's responsible for the results. So I don't have to be pushy. I don't have to uh, score the goal right, right at that moment, right? Or whatever terminology you wanna use. It, it's a long game, right? It's a, you, sometimes things are gonna go really well. Sometimes they're not gonna go well. Sometimes doors are gonna open. Sometimes they're gonna shut. And it, it's just paying attention where, wherever you're at. And I, I love using the analogy, You know, the best door-to-door salesman, if that's even a thing, Uh, to be a a great door-to-door salesman. But I did that for a little bit in my life. I sold uh, Kirby vacuum cleaners, believe it or not, as a 17-year-old, I think, until I figured out, like, I can't do this. I'm selling really high-dollar vacuums to people who should be spending their money other places. So I pulled out of that. But one of the things that I learned is if you knock on the door and then step backwards, there's a lot better chance of getting inside than if you knock on the door and step forwards and aggressively start to put yourself in somebody's house before they invite you in. So whether I'm going to the locker rooms with, with DC United or even into a meeting with other FCA club directors, right? Club directors are, are knowledgeable. Like they they know what they're doing. They have their systems. They know what they want to accomplish. And when I step there into their world and knock on the door, if I force myself into the house before I'm invited in, there's not going to be much leadership happening in that place. So.
0: Yeah. It's funny you right. mentioned that about the vacuum, because I,
1: I thought that that
0: was a, a something that was dead. I had someone probably about three weeks ago come knock on my door and they were selling vacuums. And uh, he was not backing away from my door. Uh, And I very quickly had to shut it and reopen and say, hey, I'm not comfortable with you being that. I don't know what you're doing yet. But I think that's that's a great analogy and and even just just coaching itself, right? We have a lot of coaches on here. And and I think a lot of times we forget as coaches, we have to meet our players where they are. And I think sometimes we come into that coaching situation and it's like, Here I am, I'm the coach, here's what we're gonna do, this is what I'm about. Get on board and let's go. But the reality is I think the coaches that have the most success are the ones who can come and say, Hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. But who are you and what are you about? How do we get together on this and how do we move forward? And I think that's kind of what you're kind of what you're talking about too, in all these different environments is that you do have to and that's kind of I'm glad you hit it because that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Is like in all these different environments, while it's not cookie cutter, there is a lot of similarity in how like we just need to relate to people and be there for them. And, and while they open their doors, we need to step back and and, and open our door too, right. And, and be there and, and and say, Hey, I'm, I'm in this with you. Let's walk together through this. So you hit that. I appreciate that. That's great
1: stuff. I'll jump in uh, quickly there on a rabbit trail in parenting. When I was, my first child was born, I was in the hospital. I was reading to my wife so that she could fall asleep. Um, it helped her to kind of relax and get out of the hospital noises and all of that. So I was reading through the Psalms and and I got to Psalm 20 and it's actually a Psalm for a king. And I, I remember reading it and thinking like, wow, this is a really great Psalm for my kid. Like it talks about, you know, I pray that, that all of your desires will, will come to pass. Right. Like, and, and then when that happens, we'll raise the banner of the Lord and we'll give him the credit. And I thought, man, what a great, and then it quickly hit me that I don't know if I want all of my daughter's desire. if her desires are like my desires and, and they're broken, like, I don't know if I want all of them to come to fruition. And then I wrestled with that for a little bit. And the reality is if somebody really desires something, whether it's the path that God has for them or not, there's sometimes a place where you have to open up your hands and let them go, right? Let them experience that. You've got to let a kid on the field in life sometimes make a mistake and hopefully find out, wow, that. That was empty, that didn't work out, and then maybe they come back and they're looking for the truth, but you've got to you've got to have those open hands you can't you, you can't force them to where you want them to go you've got to you got to help them walk along with God and kind of discover along the way and and Sean, i think I think something
0: that we talked about before, and I think this is kind of what you're talking about talking about too, is we have to be okay with 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 failure. we have to allow our, our children to fail, especially in a safe environment right now where we're with them and we as coaches or parents, we can walk alongside them, allow them to to fail. It's okay. That's how we get better. That's how we learn. That's how we figure out what God may want for us. Um, is that, am I putting words in your mouth or is that, is that
1: kind of what you're saying? No, it's a hundred percent true. I'm smiling. If people are watching the podcast, you can see I'm smiling. Cause while I don't talk to refs very often, I did point out a failure of a rep this last week and I said, you, you missed that call. And, and then your teammate missed the call. Just let, it's going to happen. It, it's okay. We all fail. And I, I, he was one guy that did not appreciate. Yeah, he probably and didn't. He fell <laughs> short uh, in that moment. But, but ultimately, we are all going to fail, you know? And that's one of the realities. That's actually one of the things I teach my players is, hey, don't mess with the refs. Like, when you play a perfect game, then maybe you can say something to the ref. But we're all going to fail. That's part of the process. And, and from a training perspective, if. If you're not failing, you're not training hard enough. You should be on that training edge where you can't succeed. And that's how you stretch and keep pushing that that barrier further away.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting you say that because I've had this conversation with the head coach of the team, my coach at Folsom High, and, and uh, we have a leadership team. And one of the things we've talked about, we've gone back and forth on is, I really want the team because we had feedback last year at the end of the year. And they were like, well, we, you know, we wish we do this training. We wish we do this thing. We'd wish we do this thing in training. And, you know, we do this in our club team. We'd love to do this in our high school. And high school is very different from club for a lot of reasons. One, you're bringing people together that have been playing on different teams and you have to get them on the same page and you have three months to do it. Very less to get to your first game. All these things are totally different. They don't understand that at that point. But what I was talking to the head coach was, wouldn't it be great if we just gave them the opportunity to say, hey, take a practice and see how hard this is. Like this is, this is something that, you know, when you're outside of that, you're like, oh, this is so easy. I don't know why you guys don't do this perfectly. You know, same hmm. thing with reffing. I want to just give people the whistle and go, go out there for a game and see how, see how many things you're having to watch at once. It's not very, when you're playing, you're focusing on one thing that you're doing and you're focusing on what your role is. The referee, you literally got to see the whole thing. And it's a different perspective that they don't have until they have it. Right. And they can't have it until they have it. Right. It seems like that seems like it's very logical. Yes. But we forget that a lot of times as we're going through life, even that, oh, different perspectives, different things. We had the uh, interview with Dell Jones early on in how soccer explains leadership. He's a referee of different sports. But we talked about that different perspective. And the angles that we see life from, the angles the ref sees from, the angles we see from as coaches, the angle the player sees it from are all completely different, right? And the perspectives that we have. So those are the things that I was like, yeah, absolutely. And when you're talking about that, 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 that definitely rang true there. But definitely want, I want to move on here to, to something, a few things I definitely want to get to with you. And one of those is, you know, you have a story, at the, you know, you were working with FCA at the FCA club at the USYS Nationals. And there's a Bernard Longer story who is a golfer, not a soccer player. He may have played soccer in his youth. I don't know. But uh, I did not do the research fully on that. But he is known for his golf. But you have a story that weaves those two things together. Can you share that with us?
1: Yeah, so Bernard was very similar uh, to a lot of athletes in that he grew up thinking that his athletic uh, prowess, what he was able to accomplish on the field or on the course as it would be for him, was going to be fulfilling. And I had the opportunity this summer, you say work with, uh, again, I'll, I'll back fully out of that. I didn't work with our Coachella Valley uh, soccer club that made USYS Nationals other than uh, just supporting and cheering on. I bought them some, some warm-up shirts, and then I got to go down and share a devotional with them as they competed And what I shared in the devotional was Bernard Longer's story, and ultimately it tied into this idea that I want people to walk in the truth uh, about who God is, who they are, and and what he wants from us. And I want people to understand and have that desire to know uh, what it means to really walk with God. So I I shared with him this simple story. Bernard was competing, and when he won his first master's tournament, he quickly, uh, about a week or so later, called a mentor of mine who's a good friend. And he says, they lied to me. What do you mean they lied to you? This was the response of of my mentor and said, well, they told me when I won the masters, it would be enough. It's not enough. It's still, there's still something missing. And I just have to win again to keep that joy. And I think one of the things we want is joy and fulfillment and purpose. And you know, this, this idea of what are we all looking for? And one of the things that you find out quickly in sport is that winning is not enough. And when it's not enough, you stretch and you go a little further and you win the next championship or the next, or you get that skill or, you know, I got to 200 juggles. Oh, I got to 205, 210. It's, it's never enough because you just got to get to the next level. And so I shared with these boys at USYS Nationals, I said, guys, look, I, I hope, because I'm a competitor, I, I hope you're holding that trophy at the end of all of this. I hope you get to lift it up. But more importantly than that, I hope that not a single one of you says they lied to me. They told me that if we won, I would be fulfilled because you won't be. You will be for a moment, right? We all know that competition leads to a moment of joy, but then it leads to the pressure of, oh, I got to do it again, right? I got to do it again. Agassiz's new uh, uh, autobiography, man, if you want to you wanna read a book, by the way, I was listening to that book going to a match one time. And I, I found myself getting really stressed out about the, the 11 year old soccer match we were about to play. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why is my heart racing? And like this match, it was just a league match. And I was like, Oh, I think it's this book. Right. So like I, I quickly turned off Agassiz and moved on to something else, but man, he felt the pressure. So, so that was the yeah. the message that I think is true is we, we want people to understand where competition fits, where winning fits, but, but ultimately, that there's a there's a hole in each of our, our lives that it can't be filled through soccer or music or anything else in this world, right? It's only filled with a relationship with, with Jesus Christ and uh, walking with the Father, the Spirit inside of us and, and finding out what he made us for. And then ultimately walking in those paths is is where the joy comes in.
2: Yeah, and that's so so relevant to even just recent events like Matthew Perry, seeing him die and going back and hearing some, you know, some of his memoirs and basically saying the exact same thing. I mean, this is a dude who had it all, quote unquote, but if you followed his life, was depressed, was anxious until he found the Lord, he basically said, nothing, nothing satisfies. Uh, Jim Carrey is another example. I would never wish fame upon anyone is what Jim Carrey said. I mean, these are guys who are literally at the apex of what they wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Bernard Longer, the masters, you know, you hear these different guys winning these different things and you know, it, it is vanity vanity, right? It is meaningless. It is a vapor. It, it does. It's not fulfilling because it's not eternal right? And, and that, that at the end of the day is, is I think what, what you're, what you're saying there. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mar- Marcy, when
0: she talks, she, when she gives kind of her, her testimony and talks to, to, to whoever, you know, and she always kind of gives the example of, you know, if you're playing for this championship and you're playing for this cup at the end of the day, when you go and hold it, the cup is actually, empty. you know, you're pay- playing for this, the world cup, or you're playing for whatever cup in soccer, it's always, you're playing for a cup, right? And it's like, well, when you go and you look in the cup, you get it and it's, it's actually empty. So what are you actually playing for? So another visual of, of mm. the, kind of the same things. Um, I love, I love it. I mean, cause it's, it's definitely a lesson that it, in our culture right now, we, we need to be in front of that, sending that message to kids because it's all about success and who's winning and what are you seeing on social media and how well are they doing and kids need to understand like one, we talked about failure, that's okay. And the other is like, Hey, what are you actually? playing for why are you doing what you do and 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 how do you go about doing what you do so yeah. agree it's a great stuff
2: if you're um, watching on video folks i do have to point this out paul just gave a thumbs up to his when he was talking he gave a thumbs up it was pretty awesome that he was I, I, excited i was on a pod
0: i was on something the other day and i was trying to figure <laughs> out how that actually happens and i don't think like i go on a rant
2: and it's like, I didn't touch anything. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it was. It wasn't a confidence. As as it, confidence, yeah. Paul. It's good. I, was, I, I don't. I, AI is
2: talking to me. It, it's AI, I what I was saying. Yeah. You know? I think it's because you were talking about Marcy. It's like it's an automatic thing that pops up with a thumbs up when you're talking about your bride. Well,
0: Marcy's probably listening. She, that was probably her thumbs up. That's she probably totally did. True. That. Yeah. yeah. So, like, well, well, Sean, t- tell us. Let's talk a little bit more about kind of back into your story and then who you are, what's kind of, kind of how you've been defined, who you, who you are and how God's molded you. What was a defining moment in your sports career as a player? And talk about it, that impact on you, what you learned from it, and, and maybe some leadership lessons that
1: came through that. When I think back on playing days, I, there's probably lots of little moments rather than one big moment. I mean, we all have those stories, right? Where we hit our first home run or 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 scored for the first, you know whatever I, I've got stories of where coaches got frustrated because of my uh the way I spoke to them and grabbed a hold of me and you know yeah. tossed me into the back of a dugout like legit story and and that obviously shapes the way I coach um it helps me to to know that somehow that's the best way to get a hold of it no yeah uh, no no <laughs> um that sort of thing um uh, but really lots of little moments i think where where I had the sneaking suspicion that I wasn't good enough. But I had too much pride to admit that and too many cheerleaders to acknowledge that. Right. So there were a lot of times in my playing career where I was falling short and man, I didn't deserve the starting position or I didn't deserve the spot on the team. But my pride wouldn't let me say that. And a lot of people around me, whether it be my parents or my siblings or sometimes even other well-meaning teammates were like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not you, Sean. It's it's the coach, right? It's all politics. It's all man, you would. And I think all those cheerleaders and then also to my own heart kept me from realizing where I fell short and where I needed to get better. And so if I was to think back on my playing career, that was a lot of the defining moments. And ultimately, I, I fizzled out probably way earlier and, and quit the game and lost the joy in sport for for a long time because I felt like I was supposed to be something. I, I believed in my heart. I was supposed to be here, but I didn't have the, the actual work ethic to hear the criticism, the vulnerability to admit that they were right, and then to get better and, and improve. So those little moments probably defined me. And how does that help me going forward? Man, it's helping, co- helping players to, to acknowledge the truth about where they're at, see a path forward, and then help them get there. That's all a huge part of the process as we're working with athletes. What we don't want is this, oh, no, no, it's not you. I actually had a, a really good conversation you know, last night with an athlete who, who probably won't start this weekend. She always starts, and, and she's been struggling in a particular area. And it's, it's so easy to, to take a, an escape route and say like, oh, it's because of this, it's because of that. When in reality, there's some things that she needs to work on to continue to be a starter. And I've got to let her know that right? I've got to let her know that in a loving way that helps her to improve. And, and as an athlete, again, I was too prideful to hear that. And, and that's what kept me from, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure I had coaches tell me, uh, but, but I didn't hear it. So.
2: Yeah. You know, it's hard to hear, right? I mean, we, we don't like to hear that. And, and oftentimes what happens too is on the other side of it, especially with the younger kids, but even as the kids get older and older and it could go even into college and after college, I've heard of, of parents doing this, but parents will not necessarily be on the same page as the coach, right? And they're going to tell their kid how they are the best things since sliced bread and they are going to be, is that still a saying? I don't know. So it's, maybe it is. But they're going to say how great they are. And, oh, the coach has no idea what they're talking about. And, and you are so much better than, than everyone else. And it's not this. I, I read this Pep Guardiola quote yesterday where he said, you know, I, I get mad when players get mad at me for not playing. Basically, they're, they're, what they're saying there is some, one of their teammates isn't good enough to be on the field and they should be on the field instead of their teammate. You know, and, and that's what basically parents are encouraging the players to think is, I'm better than everybody else. I should be on the field. As opposed to, there's lots of things I need to work on and everyone needs to work on stuff. So I love watching that Beckham documentary and seeing have you guys watched that? I haven't seen it yet. Not yet. No. I strongly recommend that Beckham documentary. It's so good. Don't necessarily watch it with it your kids. There's a lot of F-bombs from the, from the people that are talking, but there's other things that might not. Screen it first. But one of the things you see in that is how when he was benched, he didn't go pout. He mm. worked his butt off. There were times where he had to work. They made him work out alone. And rather than pouting and saying, I'm out of here, he worked his butt off and earned his way back on that field. So those are things that I just love seeing and hearing that from you is, is so, it's, it's just so important for parents to hear that. It's so important for coaches to hear that. It's so important for players to hear that because the way we handle those situations as coaches, as parents, as players, if they're not in sync, it can cause so much toxicity on teams. And so, anyway, what are your thoughts well, on it, that? It
1: ultimately, it ultimately multiplies the problem that we're lost, right? Yeah. Because I was, my wife and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, I was always good enough, right? In my mind, I was always good enough. And in my cheerleaders, you know, and that's my parents and others around, I was always good enough. And, and again, there was well-meaning. It was positivity. They were trying to give me confidence. But one of the truths of life, talk about the truth about who God is, who we are, one of the truths that we really have to wrestle with is we're not good enough. We fall short. The Bible's very clear on that, right? And we need help. We need ultimately a relationship with Jesus, but we also need the the body of Christ. We need coaches, we need others around us to help us to improve in areas where where we fall short, and we need grace because man, we're not good enough, right? So understanding that and growing in that gives us the opportunity to grow as long as we live in this place. I remember talking with a, a woman one time. She said, "My husband will never, will never move towards Jesus because he's always done everything on his own. He doesn't need help." And I went, "Man, first off, that's probably not true, right? Because we know how the world works. But if that's his viewpoint, you're right. He's going to be stunted. His growth is never going to happen. And, and that's that's what happened in my playing career. The growth didn't happen because I didn't need your help."
2: Yeah, you know, and. I remember my mom, you know, and I was listening to a talk yesterday on different generations and our generation, I think we're all the same of generation. We're about the same age, but it was, it was what my mom always said to me. It was, if you think it, you can achieve it. If you dream it, you can become it. Right. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that quote. My mom said that so much. And I, one day it clicked with me. I'm like, that's just not true. That's just not true for lots of reasons. but that's what we kind of think. And so when, when you go through that, that's what, then we, we modify it and then put it in a different way to the, to the next generation. Right. And so I think that's what we as parents want that for our kids. And I get it. It's it's all, most of the time, it's really good intentions, but we really need to understand that we are not doing our kids a service doing that. We're not doing the coaches that are out there volunteering their time. Usually um, sometimes they're getting paid, but a lot of times they're volunteering their time, and then that leads to abusing refs. That leads to abusing your teammates. That leads not like literal, but I mean verbal abuse, because you think you are better. You think you're always right. You think you have that. So, anyway, yeah, definitely, definitely, really important things to to be to be talking about. All right, so <clears throat> we know that you have learned a ton from coaches over the years because you as a coach are able to put those things into practice. Is there one coach that just stands out with you who is the best coach you you played for in your mind for whatever reason and uh kind of what what set him or her apart from the rest?
1: Yeah, so because of my life journey and where I went and who I was at different times in my life, as I thought about this question, I thought man I don't know if there was a coach in my youth playing days that I would that I would tag and go, man, they were the best. They really impacted me. There were lots of coaches that had moments, again, where, where I remember those. Uh, but quite honestly, I wasn't very coachable. So it was hard for a coach to, to have an impact that was going to last at that moment. I just didn't hear them. So we talked about that and kind of the struggles and, and what put me in that place. But uh, when I thought about it, I did think of a coach in, in ministry. You know, when I got into youth ministry, when I felt called to youth ministry, I had no idea what I was doing. I I wasn't really a part of a youth ministry growing up. I I left that scene pretty early and I didn't know what it looked like. I I knew I couldn't speak. I I didn't really know how to lead games. I, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff that I was like, I'm lost, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And I, I found a church that I started going to and heard my first morning at the church that almost every family I met, you know, as God would have ordained it, was there because their kid loved the youth ministry. Like, oh, we we were bringing our kids. So we just decided we would stay and listen to this guy up front, too. And so they were dropping their kid off. And I was like, man, what a great place to learn. So I went over and I met this guy by the name of Tim Jones or, or TJ. And I started hanging out with TJ and he coached me. There's a acronym for leadership it's Mawl, M-A-W-L, Model, Assist, Watch, Launch. And I think TJ did that really well. He modeled youth ministry. He brought me along. We would go have burritos every Tuesday, and then we would lead outreach events. And uh, we would talk about what went well the week before. And he would come to Bible studies and show me how to lead those. And like, He just modeled it really well. Uh, one of the things he modeled well is when he was with somebody, he was with them. He wasn't somewhere else. Right. And you knew that you felt that you saw kids feel that. And then he assisted, right? He would, he would help me as, as he would give me different responsibilities. And then he would stop helping me and he would watch me do it. And, and I remember the, the launch moment that stands out was we had this, our largest outreach event of the year was Jello Night, which if you want to do a soccer team event that's really fun, just have everybody bring a gallon bag of Jello and just throw it at each other for like 30 minutes. <laughs> right pick it up off the ground and throw it. We actually did it in a parking lot. So it's really nice because it gets the asphalt chunks in the Jello, mm-hmm. and it really becomes a, a little bit of a, you know, a dangerous uh, sport as well at that point. But so Jello night was our biggest outreach. We bring the kids in. And I remember the second year uh, he goes, hey, I've, I've got to be somewhere on Jello night. I can't be there. I'm out of town. So either we cancel or you do it. And I went, oh no let's go. I'm going to do it. So I led Jell-O night and uh, it was awesome. It was successful in some ways and probably failed in other ways, right? I remember being out in the parking lot till 3 a.m. power washing the the Jello off of the, the, the pavement, right? Trying to get it all cleaned up, but model, assist, watch, launch. And I think that was, that was just a great thing to learn uh, how to do ministry uh, from this guy. I know he's a great coach uh, in that sense and coach in a, in a different way, but we can do the same thing in, in sport, right? We can, we can model like, Hey, check it out. Like, let's, let's try it this way. Maybe assist, right? Like all of us as coaches have stepped into the game for a minute. Like, Hey, let me be you for just a minute. We assist the other players to see what they need to see. And, and then we watch, you know, and then ultimately game day, as we talked about, there's no timeouts. So hopefully coaches understand that, that, That's, that's launch day. Like they're on the fill, get a chair, sit back, watch, and then go back to training again the next day, model assist, watch. And then on game day launch and just let them play, right. Let them enjoy. Yeah.
2: And a lot of coaches do that really well where they do just watch, you know, and then there are coaches who do a play by play, you know, coaching and, you know, I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong, you know, different people do different things, but I will say though, in most circles jello night means something very different than what you're talking about there so i just want to you know clarify that um this was definitely throwing jello at each other but uh yeah so i just you know that's something on a different podcast jello night might mean something different so not here today (laughs) glad we clarified
0: that for the the family show that we're, we're putting together here so so uh sean this yeah. has been this has been awesome and i know that we could go on for probably hours just talking through so many different things and things that you've experienced and that you could share with us and hopefully you know you alluded to it earlier i think you probably will be invited back on the show again but we'll to start inviting you earlier because it takes forever to get you on the show so mm-hmm. we'll start right away as soon as it's over we'll get phil to start inviting you back again so we can get you on again but as phil says all great things have to come to to an end but i i, I like to get from all of our guests, just, just what are the, what are the lessons you've learned directly from the game of soccer that you use in in your marriage
1: and parenting? Yeah. So I think it's uh, keep learning, right? Uh, Keep learning, uh, coach and be coached by others, play the game of of marriage, parenting, make mistakes, forgive, move on and try again. Right. As I, as I thought about that, uh, that question, just that idea of parenting, coaching, living life, doing ministry, leadership, it's, it's no different, right? We, we got to keep learning. We've got to help people keep learning. We've got to play the game and, and we've got to be humble enough, which I shared at the beginning of my life, I wasn't. We got to be humble enough to go, wow, that didn't go quite like I planned. Let me, let me tweak it. Let me adjust it. Let me evaluate and let me keep getting better uh, at what I'm doing. Uh, you could ask my kids, right? There's so much uh, need and opportunity for them to show me grace and for me to get better. And, and don't ask my wife, that would be a really long podcast, right? But there's some opportunities there uh, as well. And I think co- the right coaches in your life and, and the right uh, resources to, to just continue to grow, um, it, we're never there, right? We, you can never understand enough. So I'm, I'm about to, I just signed up for my B license, right? And continuing to grow, I'm, I'm reading, you know, Raymond Verheijen's book on football coaching theory and continuing to read books about communication on the field and off the field, because you can never go like, oh, I, I got enough right I, I I'll be successful from here on out it's a It's a changing game, and we've got to keep learning and uh, that's true for parenting and and marriage as well we got to keep learning
0: i I love that quote right there. i don't want to blow by it it's you just said it's it's a changing game, right the game's always changing like just from a soccer perspective, there's certain people who are pure purists and the game should be played a, a certain way, but those who really know the history of soccer understand that the game is always evolving. It's always changing. The best coaches are always trying to think through what's the best methodology and strategies and this and that. And I think kind of what you just said, life is the same. It's always evolving and changing. Even just in, in parenting, every stage of life with your child is a different stage with ta- which takes different skills and different abilities. <laughs> which we're usually lacking when we get there. And then we realize, oh no, I need to learn something else. So I love that. I didn't want to blow by that. So thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now that's, I'm glad you did that, Paul. So I just want to talk for a minute about also it's related to this question before we get in, to the last question we asked, which you've teased earlier a little bit. I'm not, you know, we didn't, I don't forget that tease you had earlier about some recommendation you're going to have. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But I also want to talk about, cause I know in ministry, a lot of times in ministry, as well as in coaching, it's really easy to say, well, I'm doing a really good thing. So my family may, you know, kind of get seconds, you know, we don't, we don't actually say that out loud, but that's what happens. Right. And as some people say, you sacrifice your family at the altar of ministry. I'm not, and so how are you protecting against that in your life with like you, we talked about earlier, you and I both, we do a lot of different things. If we just listed out everything that we do, people would be like, how in the world do you have any time for your family? How in the world do you have any time for yourself? I know you do focus. I know your priority is your family. So what, how do you do that? And what does that look like um, in the day to day?
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's a struggle. I, you led in really well. It's, it's hard to put your focus in the right place. Uh, there's two two things that I think are challenging to do. Number one is be where your boots are, uh, which is a great soccer lesson. I picked it up from this guy, Travis Wara, who picked it up from somebody else, but Travis played for DC United and he said, man, I just love playing soccer because I can just be where my boots are. When I'm in goal, I can't be somewhere else. Like I've just got to be there. Right. And and that's a great lesson for goalkeepers. Don't be somewhere else when you're in goal. Be in the moment. Right. Paying attention. And and for coaches, right? And I think this is actually a learned experience from coaching. Cause I've said this a lot. Coaching is the one place where I'm not in the future. I'm not in the past. I'm I'm where my boots are. Like I'm there with the kids that I'm coaching. And it hit me probably just a month or so ago that one of the truths of why that's possible is I don't have my phone out right? And I I don't want to oversimplify things, but how can I be where my boots are if I'm also on my phone, on my device, checking text messages, checking emails. And so for parenting, for prioritizing my family, just being better at putting my phone away, uh, putting my work away, being where my boots are with them. Um, I had a, a friend that sent me a book that really just talked about choosing to cheat in the right places. And, and that was because my son this this summer said to my wife, he said, I love this vacation because dad's doing all the stuff with us. He's building sandcastles. He's doing, you know, he's, you know, like just all the little things. And, and a lot of times in life, one of the things I figured out is I'm, I'm not very good at the stuff that's just trivial and just for fun. Like I love purpose. I love winning. I love moving forward. And sometimes in sport and in life and in leadership and work, we can get praises quicker in those environments than we do as parents. Right. So so we see the just sitting there, we see going rollerblading with our our son or her daughter is something that doesn't have an immediate payoff. And so we skip that for what will get us kudos right now. And and I think we gotta fight back against that. We've got to understand that rollerblading or or playing my wife's playing Pokemon with our with our boys. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I can go that far, but the conversation she comes back and tells me like the the things they're talking about while they're playing is beautiful and so i think it's just that pushing back on i've got to accomplish i've got to achieve to slow down be where your boots are put your phone away and love those that are right in front of you
2: that's so good so glad i asked that and you just I, i had a flashback of playing angelina ballerina with my daughter that was her favorite game and we laugh about that so much now i mean i was doing plies and all kinds of other stuff and it was just it didn't matter what we were playing we were we were we were together and she was you know three four and then justin got involved doing it and we have pictures of him doing the same things and it's just it's a blast and i i love that i'm seeing in the younger generation the desire to put the phone away and just be with each other. And that seems so encouraging to me. I know our team, we put together team rules and one of the first thing they said was no cell phones hmm. at practice. And I was like, once we hit that field, cell phones go away. I was like, right on. Like, that's not something we mentioned as the, and you know, I didn't mention that as a coach. That was the one thing they, they like came out right away. And I think that they're noticing, not just in their parents, not just in their peers, but in themselves. Like, I can't be present anywhere when I have this thing. And, uh, yeah, that's something I know I struggle with. And if I'm struggling with it, then I know my kids are struggling with it, and I know other people are struggling with it. So, yeah, that's good stuff. All right, last question. What have you watched, read, or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how soccer explains leadership?
1: Yeah, great, great question. And I did kind of allude to that. There are a ton. I'm I'm not a probably a one book person. I, I think one of the things I, I won't go into it a lot, but I will tell people read Acts two forty two through forty seven and just the the description of the the first followers of Jesus and the community that they had. In forty seven, it ends with this phrase, and the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Um, I think we all want to be a part of attractive communities where. People are coming to join, and we get joy in that. Like that's part of the the teamwork concept of soccer, and seeing people come to to learn and and grow and and liking what you're setting up. So I would just tell you read that because there's some things that they do in that passage uh, where they're they're given credit where credits due. And again, I, I could go on forever, but read that. Uh, it does it does shape. I think soccer explains leadership uh, in that way. And then I'm gonna go totally off script, which was in the waiver and go to lacrosse one of the books that i i just recently read is called influence and the creator's game um it's by a friend of mine frank kelly um who who, uh, it's about lacrosse right the creator's game is is one of the things that the the native americans call called lacrosse and the reason why i love it is because i've gotten to live the book uh, a little bit i was part of a lot of the stories that are in there and wasn't part of a lot of them and Frank lives the kind of life that that I desire to live. He, he says yes to opportunities to serve. He he looks for the places where he's going to have the biggest impact, and whether that be La Crosse or the city of Baltimore or Uganda or, or wherever. And he just tells these stories. Again, it ties back into my mission of how God was doing something bigger than he knew was happening. So he just said yes to serving, and then more than he thought he was serving to do or to accomplish was accomplished because there's a bigger game going on. So, Influence in the Creator's Game by by Frank Kelly is the one that I'd point to and say, man, pick it up. Let's read the stories. It's, it's big. There's a lot of stories. Talk about this podcast could go on and on. The book goes on because he said yes to a lot of opportunities and, and seen some really cool things happen.
2: I love that. I love that. And one of my favorite interviews I've done was a lacrosse coach, uh, John Yeager. I uh, wrote the coaching zone. And we had that in episode thirty, actually. If you want to go back and listen to that one, that was a one of my favorite episodes we've had. And no, I don't say that about everything. I all of them are my favorites. Like my, you know, like you can't say they're one, but it was one of the more enjoyable ones. Let's say that. And just full of great stuff. So thank you for that, Sean. Thank you for all you're doing. Thanks for your friendship. Just
1: very, very grateful for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, It's been incredible to be on. And again, just to be able to listen, I don't have all the episodes memorized by number the way you do, but there's a lot of really good ones out there. So go through, find something that interests you and and listen to more.
2: My producer got that information for me. Um, If you see the producer is my cell phone that I pulled up and I couldn't, couldn't recall that. So yes, it just showed up there on this little thing that we just talked about getting rid of so we can be more present. But uh, yeah, so folks, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for, like I said, at the beginning, thank you for engaging. Thank you for not just listening and having this beer candy on your way somewhere, but something that you really think about and there's a lot to think about in this episode. So I just hope and pray that you do actually engage this stuff and, and read the, that, that ax passage in the context of what you're doing as a coach, as a parent, as a leader and what that looks like. Read these different resources that we talk about. Also that, that we've talked about that Agassiz autobiography as well, just from a get to versus have to mentality. That book is, I think very few books make it as clear as that one. Also to not be an overbearing, crazy parent, that book definitely goes into that as well. So, so folks, we talked about Warrior at the beginning, coaching the bigger game. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to the show notes. We also have everything we talked about on this uh, in this episode in those show notes as well, HowSoccerExplainsLeadership.com. You can check those out. And as always, we hope and pray that you're taking all that you're learning from this show and you're using it to be a better coach, a better spouse, a better parent, better player, better leader, better in all that you do, and that you continue to remind yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great couple weeks.